Welcome, friends, to the Her Story Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Miller. Today, my guest is Amy Ford. Amy's story is one of God using the hardest time of a teenage girl's life, when she was alone and ashamed going through an unplanned pregnancy, to fuel a passion in her to create a safe space for other young girls facing an unplanned pregnancy. Amy created the group Embrace Grace, which is now a national nonprofit that equips churches all around the nation to have a pro-love focus and help women be brave and choose life. Since then, thousands of women have gone through the Embrace Grace program and have been put on a path towards Jesus. Currently, Embrace Grace is in almost 500 churches across the nation, in 47 states and 8 countries. The heart of Embrace Grace is to make the church one of the first places a young woman runs to, instead of away from because of shame and guilt. As Amy says, some of the coolest stories are when God takes our lowest and most broken time in our lives, uses it to mold and shape us, and then takes it even further by using that season of despair and catapults us into our destiny, making it a part of our perfect plan and purpose for our life, where we have the ultimate fulfillment and that crazy John 1010 life that is so fun. Listen to Amy's story and hear how this is exactly what God did for Amy. Amy, welcome to the Her Story Speaks podcast. Thank you for giving up an hour of your busy day today. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Well, if you would just go ahead um, and just do a quick introduction of yourself, um, your family, where you live, and then we'll jump into your story. Um, I am Amy Ford, and I'm president of Embrace Grace, and we inspire and equip the church to love on single and pregnant young women and their families. So we help women that get pregnant get connected to churches for uh, support, discipleship, uh, baby shower, and they get loved on, and um, and we just make sure that no single mom walks alone. And. God brought you to that place of being the president of Embrace Grace because of your own story, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So can you jump in and just take us back to your teens and to your story and why you have such a heart and a passion for this ministry? Yeah. So I had an unplanned pregnancy when I was 19 and I grew up in a Christian home. I had an amazing family, but Um, I was terrified to tell my parents and the father of the baby felt the same way. He felt like his parents were going to, that we were just be the black sheep of the family. And it was just really shame, you know, shame, just, um, heavy. And so we ended up deciding to make an abortion appointment and to see what, we just felt like, you know, we'll, we know this is the wrong decision and we know we shouldn't do it, but we'll deal with the consequences of a broken heart later. We just need to get this done and fear just makes you do crazy stuff. So we made, we scheduled the appointment and I had really kind of stuffed down all of my feelings and emotions and, um, and try to not think. And so, but when I got to the abortion, abortion appointment, I, when they were, uh, they did a sonogram, they were telling me how far along I was and how they do the abortion. And I ended up hyperventilating and passing out in the abortion room. And when I came to the nurses were fanning me, they were trying to give me a drink of water. And they said, you're too emotionally distraught to make this decision today. Um, or a nurse, you know, and she said, you, you just, you're, you're too crazy right now. Like you need to, uh, you can come back another day, but today you're not getting, getting an abortion. And so I went uh, back out into the waiting room and my 
father of the baby who I ended up marrying, um, he, we just decided, you know, I looked at him, he saw my face was all swollen and he, I said, we're still pregnant. And we decided in that moment just to see what happens, deal with the consequences. If we're going to be homeless, if our parents are going to kick us out, you know, all the crazy stuff that you think up that it's going to happen. Um, and so we ended up telling our parents and of course they were disappointed, but it wasn't as bad as we thought it would be. And, um, we ended up getting married when I was 16 weeks pregnant and, um, the, we had asked the guy that had led Ryan, my husband to the Lord years before, um, in high school. And he was kind of had discipled Ryan and everything. He said, we asked him if he would marry us and hmm. sorry that I can't marry you because you've sinned and I can't bless this marriage. Hmm. And we were just like, oh my gosh, like we are, we are such horrible people. We have done, we have made, you know, we get married right, you know, that we've screwed up so bad. And so we went back, uh, we found someone else that would marry us. And, um, it just kind of felt like a scarlet letter, you know, on your wedding day, it was a beautiful wedding, but I just, um, it was really hard. And we tried to go back to church a little bit after that, but it's like the elephant in the room and people don't know whether to say congratulations or I'm sorry. So they don't say anything at all. And then you feel alone in a crowd of people. And, uh, so we just kind of didn't go for a long time, probably, you know, a little bit off and on for maybe 10 years until, um, I found, we found one that we really loved called gateway and that's where embrace grace started from. But, and there's so many things just hearing you. And I had read a little bit of your story in your book that you share, um, a bump in life where you share some of this, but just hearing you say it, it just makes me so sad. Just, I mean, you have so many amazing, awesome God moments in your story, but sad for the church. That's how they treated you. And it's just what stirs my heart so much with this whole abortion topic. And if we are pro-life, then what, what are we doing for these moms like you, these single moms? And, um, just hearing your story where you didn't have that makes, makes me sad, but makes it just so thankful that your organization has started. So when you, you say you went in to get the abortion, was that just kind of your first thought that that's what you were going to do? Yeah, I think just fear just kind of cripples you. And, and I, even where I serve right now, I hear over and over again, women say, well, I felt like I don't have another choice. Like this is, this is what I have to do. And it kind of just felt that way too. Um, that I just kind of felt like I did. I, I know now, obviously I did, but in that moment, you just, fear just cripples you and makes you think, um, things that are, you know, Satan tries to lie to you in that moment and, and think things that are, aren't true so that you'll make a decision that he'll end up shaming you for later. You know, it's just a cycle that. Right. And, and you were raised, like you said, you were raised in the church. You went to a private Christian school and yet you still thought, oh, abortion's my first and best option. And I can't tell anybody. Right. I'll just pretend like it never happened. And so, um, but I am seeing a shift in the churches. Like I'm seeing, I wondered that. Okay, good. Talk about that. Yeah, for sure. I've seen, especially lately, like with the news and like the New York abortion bill and things that were passed, like I'm noticing that churches are saying, you know, we can't look away anymore. So many churches feel like it's a political issue. So they try to stay away from it. But, you know, was slavery a political issue or, you know, there, this is a human, right. a human dignity and human rights issue that we all um, need to give attention to. So 
Um, and even with that pastor that wouldn't marry us, just a couple of years later, he did call my husband um, and, and ask for forgiveness. He said that he felt like it was his worst mistake in pastoring history that he had ever made. And um, and I ended up having a son named Jess, and he's amazing. And he's 20 now. And me and my husband have been married 20 years. And he's at Or Roberts University, and he's majoring in ministry and uh, or evangelism and business. And wow. So, he has led so many kids to the Lord. He's so passionate. And he says that he was an overcomer before he was even born and that Satan had a plan for him not to be here, but he's here and he wants to use his life to change the world. And, um, he is a passionate about God. It's so amazing to see. And, and so when Jess was 16, so four years ago, the pastor that wouldn't marry us, he actually is now really good friends with us again. And he's a pastor in Austin. So that's about four hours away. Uh, Austin, Texas, about four hours away from where we are. And so, um, I ended up, so he asked me to come preach at his church four years ago on mother's day. Mm. And he was very open with his congregation about what he had done years ago and that he had a religious spirit and a Pharisee heart. And he, um, he, I came, I preached. And then afterwards he asked me to come back on stage and he asked my son, Jess, who was 16 to come back on stage as well. And he said, and this is in front of the entire congregation. And he said, Amy, years ago, I, uh, I asked your husband for forgiveness, but I never really asked you for forgiveness. Will you forgive me? And I was like, of course, yes. Look and embrace grace and all this great stuff. Like I figured forgive you a long time ago. Well, then he looked at my son, Jess mm -hmm. 16 in front of the entire church. And he said, Jess, will you forgive me for planting seeds of rejection in your heart? before you were ever even born. And while you were in your mother's womb, I rejected you. Will you forgive me? And my son, 16 in front of the whole church says, I forgive you. And it was such a powerful moment where church wounds be, were being lifted in that room and people's jaws were on the floor. Like, I can't believe this. This is amazing. And, um, and so that's why I'm seeing like pastors are starting to open their eyes a little bit more to like, and, and we use the word pro-love a lot. Like our organization is pro-love. I was going to ask you about that because I noticed all of the material, what you said, like all of that. It's pro-love, not pro-life. So yes, tell tell why that is. Well, we we believe being pro-life, you know, kind of pro-life is, it seems like a political word, you know, in, and so for some reason, for, or for different reasons, people, it could be a trigger word for some people. Um, and even I was talking to a pastor the other day, he was a pastor in Harlem, New York, and I had a pro love t-shirt on and he's like, I am so glad you used that word. Um, he said, I can't say pro-life at my church. We're in survival mode. Like we, in, but he said, I can say pro-love. And the thing is, is you can't argue with loving people. Like we're yeah. just loving people and it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. And so we pro-life definitely can save babies, but pro-love is really what saves the mom and the baby. And we want to focus on the mom so that the generations are changed after her and that, that it's God's love that completely transforms uh, people's lives. And, um, and so we just want to focus on loving them. Yeah. I love that. And it's not divisive. Like you said, you say pro-life and that automatically can put people on one side or the other. So I, I've loved the pro-love, um, and just seeing, like you said, the transformation that you're starting to see in the church. And that's only though, because of people like you and organizations like embrace grace. So let's talk a little bit, um, going back to your story, how you got to embrace grace. Cause obviously you didn't just, you know, have the baby, have Jess and live happily ever after. Like the Lord started working in your heart. 
that more was needed and that he had a plan for you to use your story. Yeah. Well, when Jess was around 10, I actually have four kids now and we've been married 20 years, which is amazing. And so I think when Jess was 10, I think I had two kids at the time and, um, I was at, we started going to gateway. We really love that church. It's amazing. And so I was at a women's conference and Christine Kane was preaching and Carrie Job was leading worship. And, um, it was just a really powerful moment. And I had a vision and I've never had a vision before and I've never had a vision since, but it was so clear and so vivid. And it was like snapshots going off in my mind. And then it started as, um, me being single and pregnant the pictures were just flashing of when I was pregnant with Jess and I just had, I looked sad and young and scared. And then the snapshots changed to me throwing baby showers. And that year I had thrown 13 baby showers for my girlfriends. It was like a baby boom with all of my friends and I love to throw parties. So it, it, the snapshots changed to that and it just looked so real. And, um, and so then afterwards, as I was leaving the church, I ran into the group's pastor and I said, I saw a vision. I don't know what this means. And I told her what it was. And she said, well, why don't you just start a small group for girls that are single and pregnant and the baby shower can be the hook to get them in the door. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had never let, I mean, I was really just now starting to get plugged back into a church. I hadn't led anything ever in my entire life. It was completely intimidating yet something inside me just came alive when she said that. And so we, this was like in March or April. So we had uh, that we do a kind of like a college semester as far as timing goes. So it starts in August. So we had about the, through the summer to figure out what did it, how would we do this and what would we teach? And we started to Google like single and pregnant curriculum and there's no such thing as single and pregnant curriculum. Hmm. So, um, we prayed about a name and we really felt like embrace grace was like so perfect. And we ended up finding a book called embrace grace. We're like, that's really weird. Like we thought of the name embrace grace and there's already a book called embrace grace. So let's just order that and see what that is. And we did. And it was so perfect. It was written by Liz Curtis Higgs and she's written like bad girls of the Bible and uh, stuff like that. And so I, we, it wasn't about being pregnant, but it was just about grace. And it was about, identity and value and how much God loves them so much. And, um, it was just, it was perfect. So we started with that and we kind of put the word out. So three girls came, one was my cousin and two other people and all three of them. I mean, they would barely make eye contact. They, it was just like a hopelessness, like their shoulders sagging. Mm -hmm. They were, one wore a coat in August in Texas because she was terrified to step foot into a church and for anyone to see that she's pregnant. It was just, it was like a hopelessness where they, they were so scared about their future. One was in a band and the band had kicked her out because she's the lead singer and they didn't, they thought that that wasn't going to be a good image that, you know, they wanted to have for their band. So it was just sad, but what it's a 12 week class. And what it was so amazing is that over the course of 12 weeks, and when I look back, I felt like I totally didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I'm good at cheering people on, telling them how much God loves them. But um, it was amazing to see that they completely changed hmm. they, from even from the outside to the inside. Like they were confident. They were empowered. They were they felt brave. They felt hope for their future. They made eye contact. They had a sparkle in their eye. Um, it was amazing. And all three got saved and surrendered their life to Jesus. And our lives changed just by leading it. It was amazing. And so, wow. yeah, that's a, I mean, just bringing them to the Lord, like that is just a, 
it's and you share in your book too how you had like a party for them like a the baby shower and like treated them like princesses and how they realized that they were beloved children of Christ and not rejected or sinner those sort of things yeah and they it it because really it's all about identity like if we can really understand our value and our worth and how much God loves us so 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 much then that's when all the things we shouldn't be doing become things we don't don't want to do anymore because we fall in love with him and he changes our life when we really understand how precious we are and how God has amazing plans for us. And, um, I love, there's one slogan that I saw at the March for life that said, you can have your baby in your dreams too. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. And maybe it does take a little bit longer, but it's so worth it. Um, to, to, and I've seen, like I always say with Jess, you know, I raised a kid, he, just, he graduated, he's in college, but he really raised us. And so it changed us, um, as well. Babies it change everything. And so it's, it's just awesome to see if they can just have some support and know that they're not alone and to hear even other people's stories, then it becomes where they're like, okay, maybe I can do this. And maybe if God did that for that leader's life, then maybe God will do that for my life too. And it gives them hope to keep going. And we just, we feel like as leaders, we have front row seats to miracles. And so we did it again and three more girls came, then eight, then 14 and then 21. And it just started growing. And then other churches started calling us saying, this is really cool. Will you show us how to do it too? And we really started writing our own curriculum at that point. Cause we started seeing like, you know, the princess night that we do for the moms, which is, um, just crowning them, telling them how much God loves them. They have like a four course meal and they have their hair done and makeup done by volunteers. It's so amazing. And, um, we have the baby shower. We do it also a chains night where it's a night of freedom, where they really lay down some of their hurts and wounds that they've been through and, and, and lay it down at Jesus feet. And it's so awesome. They get a chain bracelet to signify that their chains have been broken and they've been set free. So we started like writing our own and having all this, uh, having a system to the whole thing and not really realizing that God was actually building something bigger than what we could have ever imagined. Um, cause we were so focused on our church and our little group and, you know, and, and just more and more people would ask about it, but we still didn't realize till we were maybe like to 10 or 15 groups or 20 groups. And we we're like, I think God wants us to help people help people. Like we've been so focused on helping our people, these girls in our church and we love our church, but like God's wanting us to help equip the church all over the nation and the world to be one of the first places a girl runs to in that situation instead of the last because of shame and guilt. And, uh, and so in 2012, we started the nonprofit and it wasn't until 2014 is when we really we had funding to really hit the ground running. And so we're up to like 540 churches and 47 states and nine countries. And we equip churches all over the nation to be pro-love and and love on the moms. You know, so many churches say, yes, we're pro-life, keep your baby, don't have an abortion. But then when a girl chooses life, sometimes they're like, good luck, hope it works out for you. Um, we don't really have a place for you here. You're kicked out of youth group or whatever. And if Roe v. Wade was overturned tomorrow and abortion was illegal and you couldn't get them anymore, there would be a lot of women that are pregnant and really mad and really upset. And they're going to be looking to the church to help them because maybe they can't, they're going to be homeless or, you know, you, you never know. Each situation is individual and unique, but we, I, I, our heart is we want to get the church ready. What does that look like to be able to really walk alongside a single and pregnant mom and make sure that no single mom walks alone? You can't just vote a certain way and then just say good luck. Like, right. 
And that's what I've thought all along, just doing through these podcast series and what the Lord has stirred in my heart. It's not enough just to be pro-life. I mean, the church has to do more than that. We can't say, don't, don't abort your baby, but good luck. And that's exactly what Embrace Grace is there for that what's next. And I think somewhere in the book, it says you're honoring the girls for making the courageous choice not to abort their babies. Because it is a scary thing. I can even imagine when they're young and single and teenagers to, ha- to have those babies and what do they do next. So for a church, so like you said, you're in over 500 churches. And I think I read over like almost 4,000 women or girls have gone through the program. Yeah, so many. And then we have thousands of leaders around the nation that we we have virtual training. So it's once a a church agrees to do Embrace Grace, then the leaders have access to training and everything that uh, they do virtually. And then it's like digital curriculum, DVD or um, digital and online. And so people just press play and they invite a few girls. They can partner with pregnancy centers in the area, which I've noticed that a lot of people don't really know what a pregnancy center is, but a pregnancy center are, is in all over the nation and they are donor funded. They're not funded by the government or mostly are not. And that they are, uh, they, they, whenever a girl gets pregnant, she can have a free pregnancy test. She can have a sonogram and they talk about her options, but they're very pro-life focused and want to be able to give all the resources for, to equip her to be able to choose life. And so those are really the best referral source for girls that are pregnant. And then they refer them to the local churches that have embraced grace groups to, um, to get connected to a spiritual family and, and to not feel alone and meet other girls that are going through the same thing as they are. So, um, and the groups meet once a week and then how long is the curriculum? Like how many weeks do the, does a typical group meet? Yeah, it's about 12 weeks and we have, we have embraced grace. And then we also have embraced life, which is a 22 week curriculum that churches can do as well. And it's for after they have their babies. So it's, yeah. And within that curriculum, do you all, push the moms adopting the babies, keeping them, or is that pretty much they're just presented with the options and you're supportive through that? Yeah, we, well, we don't try to push anything just because it's such a huge decision. I mean, we're always going to push for life, but as far as uh, placing the baby for adoption or for parenting, we want to just give all options. If they have questions about it, we may have um, an adoption agency come in or maybe a birth mom that has placed her baby a couple years before to share her story just so they can really make the decision that is best for them. And our curriculum is for both, like all throughout it says whether you choose to parent or place your baby for adoption. You don't want to exclude any, either one of those, but, um, a girl might change her mind 50 times as far as, you know, if she wants to place or parent and we tell our leaders don't ever push in any way just be there for them if they change their mind 50 times then say I'm with you whatever you decide you know for this so just because that's such a huge decision you don't want a girl to have regrets after she plays right. the adoption and say, well, my leader pushed me into having it like that's, that's a big, but we, we just feel like birth moms are so amazing. The fact that they sacrifice their body for nine months to save a baby's life is one of the most amazing, heroic, beautiful, uh, things that a mom could do. So we, um, we definitely advocate and cheer them on and we just feel like they're so brave, but we just want to empower them to make, um, the best decision for themselves. So, so if somebody is looking for a group or wants to get involved with starting one, I checked out your website and all of that can be found on there. They can search for a group. You can find out how to get involved, all of that, correct? 
That's right. You and, can uh, find a group in your local area. If you know a girl that's pregnant, you, there's a group directory, so you can find it right there. If you want to start a group, if you just fill out the information on starting a group and hit submit, a starter guide is emailed to you immediately. Okay. And okay. it gives you all the information on how to start. And so t- we will put the link to your website on the show notes, but do you want to go ahead and tell people that are listening where they can find that? Yeah, just go to embracegrace.com. And, um, and yeah, all the information is there. Okay. And I was pleasantly surprised. I live in Tulsa area and there are several in this area. I mean, they're like you said, they're over 500. They're all over, but I'm sure there is always need for more, right? Because even just two or three girls in a group is making an impact. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's, Plus, it's just good to have options. You know, I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and there's actually a ton around here. And what I've seen, because it's 12 weeks, you want them to be able to get the whole experience. So say a church starts, and they're the third or fourth week in, and they meet another girl that's pregnant. Well, what's cool is that they're sending them to another church that's down the street to be able, that's about to start in a couple weeks. Or maybe one's on Monday night and one's on Wednesday night. You know, you want to, but it's cool because all the churches are working together, you know, to make sure that no single mom is by herself, and we're all helping each other help them. So that's cool. So then we'll move on to just a little bit. We'll talk about your book, which I have not read all of it, but I've read through parts of it. And I am eager to read just more of it because it's basically, it's full of the stories of these girls that you have worked with, right. That have gone through embrace grace. Yeah. I mean, when we were doing embrace grace, it's like, man, these stories are incredible. Someone needs to document this. And then I was like, okay, well, well, I guess it's that, that would be me if I I need to write all these down because these are miracle stories. And so it's not preachy. It's just stories. There's 20 stories of girls that chose life, whether they chose to parent or place for adoption, girls that were date raped, preacher's kids, never been to church a day their entire life, got found out they were pregnant in jail. I mean, every story you can possibly imagine, it's in there. And we wrote it as an outreach tool so that if a girl found out she's pregnant and she uh, needs encouragement that maybe there's one story in there that's going to really speak to her and you know that she would think okay if that girl can do it then I can do it too um and so that is why we wrote it and we just we give them away um we have love boxes that are really cool that we give out here from embrace grace that go to girls that are possibly thinking about getting an abortion or maybe they have chosen life but they're really sad um and the love boxes have the book a bump in life. It has a onesie that says best gift ever. It has a, a few testimonials, a girl that chose to parent, a girl that chose to place her baby for adoption. It also has a handwritten letter. So people all over the nation can write these dear brave girl letters that go inside and they all come here to the corporate office and we read them because people are weird. So we got to make sure they're not, <laughs> you know, too crazy. But when, but then we put them inside every single box and we have the download leak for the letter template. So if anybody's out there that has a small group or a home group or your, your business or offices, you can write handwritten letters, download it, print them off and write, and then just mail them. Like sometimes we get just one mail to us and sometimes we'll get like a stack of 200, um, or college, like universities have done them in schools. And it's really cool. Just writing, you get to speak life into the, the heart of someone that just found out she's pregnant. And so what would you say to her? And so, oh my gosh, some of them are just, you're bawling. I mean, they're powerful, amazing. So those go in each box and it has an invitation to a local Embrace Grace group, um, that is in their area. So those, that book is a key 
tool inside the box to really hopefully inspire a life decision or just give a mom the encouragement that she needs to choose life. I just, I mean, I love every bit of that idea because again, it's showing what, what the church can do beyond being just pro-life. What's the next thing for that? So tell me if you wouldn't mind just sharing, like you said, in the book, there's 20 girls stories uh, that just show God's miracles and hope that he's given them. Can you share just a glimpse into one of the stories? Yeah, sure. One of my favorite ones. And and it's cool because that book released in 2013. So there was a little bit more to the story after the book released, but she was Wiccan and she believed in witchcraft. And um, she heard about Embrace Grace because her friend told her about it and she really just wanted the free stuff. And so she said, hey, I believe in witchcraft. Is it okay if I still come to your group? And I just really need the free stuff. And I said, of course, yes, just come. And, um, and she never missed one class. In fact, she didn't have a car. So I'd pick her up every week and take her back home. And she's so smart. And she, her, her parents had given her like all the books of religion when she was younger and said, you believe what you want to believe. And she felt like, Wiccan was like doing good things for people and something about nature. I'm not sure, but, um, she came every single week. And so we got to spend so much bonding time just even for me driving her. And I really felt like there was going to be this salvation experience of like, she is going to, uh, surrender her life to God. Like I just know it. And she did the, and one time she said, I like the way it makes me feel when I come to this class. And so I just held on to that. Like, I just thought, okay, God, you're going to do this and it's going to be amazing. So she did the whole 12 weeks and she does not surrender her life to Jesus. And I remember I was like, so upset. I was even offended, you know, like why not to her? I would never say to her, but internally, you know, you know, right. she did the whole thing and why didn't it work out, you know, the way I thought. And right. So, Come on, God, I gave her the free stuff. <laughs> the whole thing. And so anyway, she, I, and I, so I was praying about it and I felt like God said, just, she, he said, give her to me. And he said, do you think a girl would have stepped foot that was wicked into a church if you hadn't created a safe place for her to be there and that you planted seeds and so just leave it or me. And so I kind of lost touch with her. A lot of single moms, like when they can't pay their phone bill, the phone ch- number changes because they have to get a new plan and stuff. So I lost touch with her. But a year later, she called me out of the blue, freaking out. And she was um, a uh, manager at a restaurant slash gas station. And she's like, Amy, you will not believe what happened. And she said, I have been just feeling like maybe God is trying to talk to me and that just things that I would think and then it would happen. And she said one day she went into work and she said, God, if you're real, I don't want to just say, I, I don't want to just think that, that you're real. I want to know you're real. So if you really are real, I want you to do something so that I know that you're real. And so she goes into work and she's working her shift at the restaurant, a fast food place. And she said that a guy comes up to her counter and he was like so nervous. And he, she said, no, she said he, she noticed he was shaking a little bit. Like he was just so nervous. And he came up to her and he said, Hey, um, I really felt like God wanted me to tell you that he, that he, he loves you a lot and that he, you're amazing. And that he just wants your heart. And he's so proud of you. And she was like, oh my goodness. And Mm -hmm. so she goes back home and she gets her tiara from the princess day that was from the year before when she did embrace grace. And she 
went into her bathroom and she heard or she prayed the salvation prayer. She wanted to be, she wanted to look in the mirror when she prayed the salvation prayer. Cause she said, I want it to be a moment that I never forget. Like, I just know this is the moment that I surrendered my life to Jesus. And she said, when she prayed the prayer, she heard her baby laugh for the first time. And, um, and it, it just touched me because it was, it was all about, she liked the way it made her feel when she came to church and in being in that situation like that, that was what really kept her coming every single week. And then to even think about that man that came up to the counter, like he probably walked away thinking, I am the biggest dork, you know, why God, why do you make me do this? And why did you want me to say that to her? And he had no idea that she went straight home and surrendered her life to Jesus. And I could just imagine someday when they're in heaven and Jesus is like, you know, remember that girl that I told you to go talk to at the restaurant and here she is and she's here now. And it, it takes all of us, like we are the church and a, a church without the broken is a broken church and we need to create safe places for people to come and feel like they can come. And even if we're just planting seeds and I really felt like God, let me see that one, the end of that story, because there's a lot of girls that walk out the door that I'm like, God, I don't know if anything got through in her heart, you know, does she really know it? I don't know, but I, I really feel like he let me see that one because I, it's planting seeds and even just the guy at the counter and all of the people along the way that were obedient and different things that all of us together, we can, uh, win people to the Lord and, um, and help create safe places. And, and she said that she felt she was she was going to try it one time. If she thought it was weird, then she probably, she said, I felt like I was going to go ahead and get an abortion, um, when she tried the first class, but she stuck it out and said, okay, I'm going to at least just keep trying every week. And she loved it. And, and it was all about, she liked the way it made her feel. So we have wow. power church. Yes. I mean, in stories like that, it's like of those nearly 4,000 women, I'm sure there are God's fingerprints on all of those stories and the difference that was made in the seeds that were planted by just one person or two people um, and part of Embrace Grace. So what would you say just to the church in general, like going forward, how, what can the church do? Like say besides start an Embrace Grace group, but that would be one huge step that the church could take. But as the church in general, what can we do to just show beyond pro being pro-life and showing these women love? Well, there are several things and we all have gifts and talents and strengths that God placed inside of us where we can make a difference in this area. And um, I was talking to someone a couple of, of months ago. She asked me to speak at Berkeley and I, she's pro-life, but she's an atheist. And she asked me to speak at Berkeley College, and I said, you do know what I preach about and talk about, right? And she said, yeah, I do know. But she said, I don't believe you're God, but I believe in the power of your people. And if you could actually get the churches to actually do something, this issue wouldn't even be an issue anymore. And y'all could totally change this the pro-life movement to get your people engaged. And I was like, wow, that an atheist even recognizes that. And so God puts all these gifts and talents inside of us, and there's practical things that we can do, whether for sure donating. Um, you, There are our love boxes are amazing. Like if you, if your church wanted to have an outreach night where we send you all the unassembled boxes and you can host an event at your, an outreach event at your church, get your people together, write the letters, package them, fold the onesies, and then you donate them to a local pregnancy center. And it's an invitation back to your church that the, the girl received the box at the pregnancy center. And it's an invitation back to your church for them to get plugged into leading an embrace grace group. Of course, even if you're, if you're a man, I don't know if you have many men listeners, but um, there's 
like my husband helps a single mom with her budgeting and um, how to balance a checkbook and, and things that I'm not very good at. You know, we all have a part in this. Serving at a pregnancy center is huge. They're in every community, seeing how you can utilize your gifts there. There's parenting classes that they do. Um, and just being vocal about it uh, through social media, but only in a loving way. Um, standing outside abortion clinics, but only in a loving way. Like one of my friends does it and she has a sign that says free hugs. Like she just is so precious. Like that is what draws people and makes them think, okay, do I really want to do this? Um, right. And, so- and that's a good point with the, like the abortion, like it's okay to stand in line at those places. But I think Abby Johnson, when I talked to her a couple weeks ago, talked about like just that those people were almost scarier just with the grim reaper sign. I mean, that's not the love we're talking about. Don't be weird. Right. Just don't be weird. That's right. Jesus miracle. Um, okay. Well, we will start, um, we'll wrap up here, Amy, cause I know you've got uh, a busy schedule ahead heading to Colorado to speak, but if you could just tell again where we can find you, um, the information, cause I know you have a website embrace grace does, and then your book, a bump in life. We'll put the link to that where people can purchase on Amazon, but tell us the other places where you can be found and more information. Yeah, embracegrace.com for sure. And and you can purchase the book on there as well. All the information about starting a group, it's all there on embracegrace.com. And then also um, Facebook, um, you can follow Embrace Grace Inc. on Facebook. Uh, There's a lot of Embrace Graces out there because each individual church has an Embrace Grace group. Look for Embrace Grace Inc. That's the national. um, And check it out and see if there's a group at your church. And if not, um, pray about starting one yourself. And if somebody wants to start one, they don't necessarily have to have gone through an unplanned or teenage pregnancy themselves, correct? We all have a story of grace. We all have a story of how God changed our life. And that's all we need. Absolutely. I agree, but just wanted to hear you say you say that for somebody that might be thinking about it, but thinking they don't have that same story. And I'll also say on the Embrace Grace website, you guys have some super cute t-shirts and jewelry and hats that have the pro-love um, emblem on them. So people will need to check that out as well. And then you have a website, Just is it just amyford.com? Oh yeah. Amyford.com. That's kind of got my speaking schedule and um, things like that on there. Well, well, wonderful. Thank you again, Amy, for joining me today and just sharing your story and how God has used that just to, to minister to these other women who are right now in the middle of their story. Yeah. Thank you for having me. As we wrap up our series on stories of women whose lives have been affected by abortion, my hope is these stories have spoken to you. Whether you've had an abortion, know someone who has, or it's just given you more empathy for those who have experienced the pain of abortion. I also hope that the message the Lord has stirred in my heart, that it's not enough just to be pro-life, is spoken loudly to you. We are called to be pro-love and do more if we truly care about the sanctity of human life. If Amy's story has encouraged you to get involved by loving on young, unwed pregnant women, you can find links to how to get involved with her organization, or start a group in your church at EmbraceGrace.com. Links to this and where you can connect with Amy can be found on the show notes at HerStorySpeaks.com.